Hello, and welcome to Barks Remarks, the podcast where we talk about the stories from the legendary Carl Barks, creator of Scrooge McDuck and writer and artist of the greatest Donald and Scrooge comics of all time. This episode is a 10-page podcast all about one of his short stories. Get ready to enjoy our remarks. Welcome back to Barks Remarks. I'm Mark Severino, a grown man who enjoys duck comic books and enjoys talking about them with the guests that I've gotten to meet as part of this podcast project. And I'm fortunate to have a new guest co-host today, um, and I'd like to have him introduce himself. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, my name is uh, Ruben. I'm a barely grown man that also enjoys Donald Duck comics and have, of course, done since I was a little kid because I am Scandinavian. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I've said before that I, I feel like the Scandinavians have kind of partial ownership uh, of the Barks comics because you you folks, you appreciate them so much more out there. It's really a part of our culture. We use Scrooge as a, he's like a, an image of a rich, greedy man, almost of capitalism itself sometimes. And Gus Goose, he's, whenever you say that someone's lazy, you're a Gus Goose. Oh, you call him a Gus Goose? Yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it's, that's... it's really embedded into our culture. That's my impression, you know, that you could you could reference um, the the Scrooge uh, and Donald stories and and people know what you're talking about. You know, I I grew up being such a big fan, but never getting to talk to anyone about them or or have that sort of shared recognition. So it's 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 a real pleasure um, to get to to meet people. And today we are doing uh, an episode of the 10-page podcast where we look at one of Bark's many shorter 10-pagers. We usually do the adventure-length stories here, but I like to um, I like to take a break and really enjoy some of these funnier ones because, you know, Bark's, Bark's did a ton of these. And today we get to talk about the Master Rainmaker. I'm really excited, Ruben. I gather that this is one of your favorites. I do, I do, I do. Because as a child, I actually was more into the 10-pagers than the adventure-length stories. I don't know why. I was probably more of a comedy guy as a child. I I wasn't in for the thrill. I was in for the laughs. So I really love the 10-pagers. And of course, I loved uh, the series where the stories where Donald Duck mastered some profession. And well, we all know what happens at the end. Oh yeah, that's a great point, right? Because this this story is one of those stories that is where he gets to master some profession. I first read this one in a collection, one of the albums that Gladstone Comics put out in the, I think it was the late 80s, and they called it The Brittle Mastery of Donald Duck. And they curated five of those stories together. Oh, that would sure be a treasure to have. Absolutely. And they went together perfectly because they all have this sort of story structure that that you were just talking about. Do you you feel like you can kind of summarize what those mastery stories tend to be about? Well, of course, there's always like Donald. It starts off, it doesn't explain why, but he somehow mastered a profession of some weird, like he's, he's he's a hairdresser, he's a gardener in a... Rosa story, like a really specific profession. And in this one, he's a rainmaker. Most of the time, he's doing great. Parks is showing various ways 
of how he masters this profession in really a really comedic way and impressive of course and it ends mostly with him trying some really hard but his ego or something like that knocks him over and it ends off with him you're absolutely right oh. right he's he's at the height of his success with it and exactly then, and then comes the downfall and he tips over yeah yeah and and it's great like you said there there are these really obscure uh, or unexpected professions. And and this one is, this might be the best one of the brittle mastery stories. Maybe. I, I love the master wrecker, I think. Yeah. That's, that's a contender, but this one is just such a joy to read. I've got to wonder, right? You're, you're Scandinavian, you're from Norway. Does this story feel like relatable. I, I know that it's very cold in Norway, but obviously you guys oh. do get do get some measure of rainfall. Is there a lot of farming? It is. And I live in the southern eastern part of Norway. Well, there is a lot of farming in Norway. Right. So it's pro- it's mostly farming, fishing and uh, like uh, woods. Yeah. Lumberjack. Um, Lumberjack. That's yeah. Yeah. So like this is to me, this always felt like a very quintessentially American story, right? Because um, it it feels like such a, there's such a focus on water and rain. You must remember that Norway do have a really long coastline. So I actually live really far from the coast, but many of the Norwegians are really are, they really do know hard weather and rain and wind and stuff like that. So I believe this is really relevant, actually as really as in Norway and Scandinavia at all, I believe. That's awesome. Yeah, so I generally give myself permission to go to research these a little bit less, but I know I did some some research about this because it you almost have to learn a little bit to talk about something like rainmaking. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but I do want to um I do want to talk a little bit about the specific comic. I jump around a little bit with the 10-page podcast. So this one is a little bit later than where I am with the regular chronology for the adventure length stories. This one was first published. It has it has a publication date of September 1953. And this, this of course came out in Walt Disney's comics and stories in the United States. And yeah, that's about all the background. Oh, I do like to mention how many reprints it has in the US. This one's been printed nine times total. Anything you wanted to say about the uh, publication of this in Norway? Well, I have to check this up. and It has been reprinted a really big amount of times. I I didn't check up the exact number. Actually, I have all of the publications I own in my collection right there in front of me. And I was surprised to find that I do own a complete Karl Barks library. I do own about a third of all the weekly Donald Duck comics that have been published throughout the years. So... I was really shocked to find I'm not that big of a collector, actually, just bragging about my huge uh, weekly collection, but I do not own everything. That's the, that is the point. And still, I do own five copies of this. Nice. And that just says something about how times, many times has been reprinted and how popular it is. Right. I, I only have, as far as I know, I only have three copies of this. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I, I read this one just over and over as a kid it it has such a delightful concept you know it just to just to um 
give a bit of a synopsis, right? The the job that Donald is very good at in this one is that he is a rainmaker. He pilots a crop dusting plane and he seeds the clouds to produce rain for, for those who need it. And Carl Barks has like such an interesting version of this job, which is technically a real thing, but obviously it's very exaggerated in this story. Absolutely. So before before we go ahead, Mark, I would really love to go through some of the translation of the Norwegian titles of this story. Oh yeah, by all means. Uh, it was first published actually as early as in 1954, only a year after its first publication. And then it hadn't had no title, as usual. Right. And it, later in 1972, it was translated, uh, it got the title of Chalu Vergud, which translates to Jealous Weather God. I like that. And then, and then the title in 1993 came that I am familiar with, the Rainmaker. So that's the very like exact translation. But I was curious, so I also looked into the other Scandinavian translations of this story. And uh, the Swedish called it Rainmakaren, uh, the Rainmaker, mm-hmm. and also called it Den uh, Flygande Rainmakaren. The Flying Rainmaker. Denmark, 1972. Reinvers the, the Pilot of Rainy Weather. Not bad. And this one I found really interesting. The Danish title from 1979. I'm going to try this Danish one. Skinsun's Gone Uhyr, The Green Monster of Jealousy. That's great. That's and, def- we, and we will come back to that. <laughs> yeah, that one plays on, on one of those, uh, the, the more memorable. There's a lot of memorable parts in this really Absolutely. quick story. Um, so let's let's do it, Ruben. Let's go ahead and talk about what happens in this story. Uh, I'll, I'm going to summarize what's happening on the first page, and then then we're going to alternate. And and as we have comments, we're going to go ahead and make them. So right right off the bat, on the first page of the Master Rainmaker, we see Donald. I, I like this. We we already see him as you mentioned, like in the middle of it. You know, we don't. Barks isn't interested. He only has 10 pages, so he doesn't want to show him getting good at it. He's already good. And we see him in the process of taking an order for rain from a very stereotypical looking farmer. It's the Barks farmer. Yes, one of Barks' prototypical farmers. Um, I like that in the narrator box, he refers to him as Donald Duck MRM, as though it's like a, a, a degreed credential master yeah. rainmaker. Um, and he just, he even editorializes in the narrator box. He says, the boy is good. So Barks is, is being very economical. He's telling us exactly what we need to know at the beginning. He has perfected making rain and he's very good. And and so he's taking an order from this farmer for two inches of rain on an X-shaped field. And there's this great bit of um, like almost menu taking where Donald is telling him his prices for square, round, or S-shaped. And, and he gives him a price based on the X field being a little bit more difficult. And the farmer is very specific. He doesn't want any rain to fall on his hay next door. And, and so we see a little bit more of the mechanics of Donald setting up. And, and uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are clearly key assistants. They help Donald set up, and he prepares to take off. Any, any comments on this great opening page, Ruben? Not anything more than you really see how like confident Donald is here. Mm-hmm. He knows his stuff. He's still on the earth. He really knows his stuff, and he's not like over the top. Yeah, 
he's proud of it, but he doesn't show that show it that much. Right. He's just someone who who knows what he's doing. Yeah. Okay, I'll go ahead. So we see Donald taking off. He see a couple of clouds that he can use, uh, but these are some real stubborn clouds. He really does have Donald is pushing into the clouds, but they're stubborn. They're not moving. And the plane is loading up like a fist and going for it one second time, but the clouds still won't move. So he backs up and he uses the propeller to drag the clouds onto him the other way. Maybe you could describe that a little more uh, detailed. I think you caught it, right? They're very stubborn. So he's like anchoring the plane with like a tow line and using his propeller to blow them backwards. Exactly. And, and we've got this great element where the, the clouds are much more physical than mm. um, than true clouds are, right? Like like they have a, they have a real sense of something. They're like marshmallow. Yeah, yeah. They, are, they are like marshmallow. And, and I love the little like almost bulldozer blade that he's got that he's trying yeah, to Yeah, and I really love how the bulldozer blade is right in front of the propeller. <laughs> you actually just like block what would make the plane go forward. We'll just ignore that. It looks great. It's a that's great tool. Right. That's our that's our cartoon logic there. So Donald on the next page, you know, he manages to to herd the clouds where he needs them to be over the farmer's field. And we've got these great panels of him using the plane to essentially shave bits of the cloud off so that it forms this perfect X. And then he um, and then he seeds the clouds. He drops some stuff on the clouds to produce the rain. And and the clouds start the rain. And we kind of cut to the, the farmer uh, and his wife, I assume also a farmer. And they are admiring the rain. And there's this just fantastic gag where the, the drops that are falling on the property line even have one flat side to come right up. Yeah, it sure is a favorite of mine. It's really memorable. It's, so even the, even the drops that falls on the top of the fence, uh, they, they won't cross over to the other side of the property. They, they stop in the middle. They're not going any further. And I love that. I think it's one of the most memorable things in this story. And it's it's yeah. delightful. It's over the top. It's super cartoonish. Um, but it works within the context of this story. It does. So on the next page, the first panel we see is the farmer stereotypical bark far barks farmer with the overalls and a goat uh, beard looks as he looks at his uh, rain measurements tool and it's precisely the amount that he asked for not even a millimeter over or a millimeter under it's just what he asked for so this really shows how of a perfectionist Donald is in this so he's back on the he has landed the plane he's back on the ground and uh, the nephews are giving him one other job so it's another farmer that would well could you do the panel could you do the word the text in this panel the third panel yeah because i'm kind of curious what um how they call it in in your printing so the farmer is named farmer pumpkin dew which is a great barks name and he's put in an order for an inch and a half of slow rain on his gooseberries yeah and i would i will i really have to disappoint you it's not a good name He's named Farmer Pumpkin. Uh, uh, and that's not a good Norwegian name in Norwegian edition, to be honest. Sure. What's the crop? Do they keep it gooseberries? 
Mm, I'm really not sure what these kind of berries are in Norway. Are in English? They're called uh, in Norway. They are called stickelsbär, stickleberries. Is that something you would say? No, never heard. Probably of it. not. Uh, okay, uh, I'm no way. Stereotypically, know about lingonberries only because of uh, IKEA. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I do not know the English name of these kind of berries. Yeah. So, so gooseberries is weird too because those have gone out of popularity. In I never United heard of them. States. They're very. You do not see them. I think that they were more popular when these were first published. Okay. Um, but I don't even know what they are. I but I've never yeah, okay. seen or eaten a gooseberry. Yeah. Okay. So it's a square plane, so it should be easy. But in the middle of it, his wife is having uh, their wet, uh, cleaned clothes out for dry. She doesn't, and the wife sure doesn't want their clothes to be wet. So the the nephews put a tool on the plane. Donald makes ready for another flight, and we fly over the uh, the property. And it's really simple. It's really square. It has the house in the middle of it. We can see the wet clothes in the middle. And Donald, of course, starts. He finds nearest cloud right nearby. And he starts bumping and thunking and thunking it to be just the perfect square size. And then he do, does the same thing as he did in the last page, where he is shaving off the top of the cloud. It's just like foam. And he pushes the top of the oven, and it goes just like foam. It's lovely to see. Yeah, I, I love the art in general of um, yeah. seeing him manipulate the clouds. It's, it's a delight to look at. And um, so... On the next page, you know, we get the little payoff of that tool you were talking about that they put on where he he turns into a corkscrew um, maneuver and he just carves out this little disc shaped empty spot to address the farmer's wife's laundry that's out to dry and we get this perfect rain this farmer has ordered a slow rain right yeah when there's a great gag in english his wife asks is that rain slow enough for you hiram and he says yep them drops even stop and look around before landing and uh, and we see another great gag that's just so over the top about what a good job donald is doing the little space that he's cleared for her laundry even accounts for the ruffles on her party dress. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 hilarious. And then at the very end of the page, you know, is where Barks kind of sets up the downfall. He has a narration box that says, like every other genius, this this fabulous rainmaker has a weak spot. It is of course a girl. And we see Donald with a thought balloon thinking about a giggling daisy. And it's a heart-shaped thought balloon as well. Yes, which is a nice touch. Yeah. Oh man, this this next page is great. Tell us tell us about this one. Before we do that, I would just like to comment something about the corkscrew. Yeah. Because it kind of bugs me in a way that but in Norwegian translation, we see that he well, he drives up, he's screwing the the waves go screwy as they go up. Uh, and then he, in on the next panel, you can see him coming on the upside of the cloud with that big, it looks like a cork. But in the Norwegian translation, he basically says, where he says, I feel just like a corkscrew. And I kind of think that that's just, a, it's it's too much. You don't need that. That's what you see. Yeah, it's it's a little inelegant, huh? Not, it's not show, don't tell. It's show and tell. And that's kind of, you don't need that. You really don't need that a couple of times. Yeah. But yeah, the next page, I'll go ahead. So 
we're back with Donald. Obviously, as a break, he's not wearing his pilot goggles or anything. And he's talking to Daisy and asking if she would like to drive on a trip. And Daisy is in the next panel saying that, oh, I'm sorry. I actually have other plans because I thought you were busy. And then I love this speaking balloon coming from the from Daisy's phone, being Donald's word saying, what other plans? That really just the speech bubble is just dropping. What, how would you describe that, actually? So to me, it looks like it's um, it's being covered with ice, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Forming, to, you know, just the coldness. Yeah. In in how Donald's demeanor has turned has turned cold and upset. You're you're right. It's a great. It's That's a great, a great way to show it. So obviously, his feelings just turned from being heart shaped in his eyes, and we don't see it, but now he's stone cold. <laughs> Uh-huh. And it doesn't get any better when he learns that Daisy is Daisy's plans actually are with Gladstone. So we see that green ghost of jealousy, the green I'm sorry, the green monster of jealousy, poking Donald in the back with a, Donald being furious uh, on this, and uh, that jealousy uh, monster just it's like a, you know those good old cartoons where he has like a devil on one side and the angel on one side. This is obviously the devil. Yes. Talking Donald into, are you gonna take this? Are, are you gonna? Aren't you gonna fix this? And Donald ends up, of course, furious, thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna fix this." So he jumps right into the, into the plane, not knowing where they're going. But unfortunately, he does see Gladstone's car from the sky. He decides to follow them to their location. Yeah, th- this this page, Ruben, is great. It is. Pretty wild, right? Because um, Barks doesn't. There's a, do there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. Um, the this green-eyed monster is how it's labeled. It, I don't yeah. know if this is a saying in in Norwegian, but this this is like a, a reference to jealousy in English. It's a little old-fashioned, but in English, you can literally call jealousy the green-eyed monster. Yeah, okay, that doesn't doesn't translate as good as all, but it basically says, well, fortunately, Barks does have a little, he has the text, and it's pointing at that monster, telling the reader what it is. And in the Norwegian edition, it actually says the green ghost of jealousy, or the green monster of jealousy. And that's very handy. You know, I, it is. I benefited from this too as a kid because this was probably where I learned about this old saying when yeah. I read this when I was eight years old. So it's not a good uh, Norwegian term in any in any case, but it does works in this because it's obvious that it's fictional. And I have no doubt that it it it's very clear what is happening yeah. that it's like this representation. It's so funny though this this monster that's bedeviling him um, I, and. And amping up his jealousy. And it looks like Donald as well. It does, yeah. It's like if it, it's like a Donald crossed with a dragon. So yeah. and and the devil. Um, can I ask you what do they call the group that Gladstone is part of in this? Oh yeah. So it's translated well. So it's translated into I'll just go ahead. It's uh, it's called the idle dandies in English. Uh-huh. And in Norway they call it Dog Driverklubben, which is basically the day driver club and the day driver. I believe that's a term that doesn't work in English. I mean uh, if if I if I had to guess, it's someone who doesn't have to work and just goes off for like a for like a nice pleasant drive. Yeah, it's a person that doesn't want to work actually. So yeah, they're just like they would rather just lie under a tree and looking at the other people work. That sounds like uh, a pretty pretty good translation to me, solid at least. Again, be, going back to what I said at the introduction about these characters being so 
implemented into the Norwegian culture. Actually, Gladstone Gander and Lucas Goose again are excellent examples of day drivers. Right. It's such a weird, they're called the idle dandies, like you said. And it's such a weird old fashioned term. You know, a yeah. dandy is like someone fancy. Exactly. Um, but it, but that term is is well out of vogue. The next page, you know, has the idle dandies at their picnic and, and Gladstone and Daisy are having a nice time. And uh, at some point, Daisy notices what she recognizes as Donald's plane flying about overhead. And, uh, you know, Gladstone is talking about, oh, he's jealous. He should he should get out of here. And Donald does head away. But it's just so that he can wrangle up some really menacing clouds. And he clearly spurs them into creating a pretty spectacular storm over the, the idle picnickers feasting. He did find a lot of bad clouds. It's a really impressive. It's just a big storm. Right. And it, and it happens like very suddenly. It's very clear. Absolutely. So I do really enjoy how the comment really early on this page where Daisy says that, oh, isn't this federal just, weather just lovely? And Gladstone, of course, says, just, would you like to say Gladstone flying here? Yeah, he says it's always perfect when I'm around, you know, referencing the Gladstone luck. But you're right. It's a nice it's a nice setup for how the weather is great and is obviously going to take a turn. And also right before we see Donald and what clouds he have found, we can see the Idle Dandy Club. They're really having a ball there. They're really hungry. Yeah. <laughs> They're just yes. thro throwing themselves over that food. So yeah, Donald now have gathered the clouds and the club down in the valley is now really feeling how that storm is gathering up on them. And they are finding it better to just leave because this storm is not a place for a good picnic and uh, Donald doesn't think that this storm is enough so he is dropping that weird powder on the, these clouds again with blizzard so now uh, Donald and Gladstone there and all the other people at the club oh my god it's snowing they really do have to get going now but unfortunately Gladstone's really fancy car won't start because the motor has frozen so even though the idle dandies really hate doing this they find out that they would have to stay and do the job of making a fire. Yeah, this is a really it really shows a crisis scene right there. Yeah, you're right. This is uh, neat how it's shown how quickly Donald's been able to turn the weather. Um, Absolutely. And and this all happens again so fast. It's just a couple of pages. He's working so quickly with this. <laughs> On to the next page, you know, is where it's it, it really takes a turn. Donald decides that he wants to look at his handiwork. And so he prepares to dive through the clouds and his plane just crashes spectacularly as though it's run into the ground because it turns out he has overseeded and the clouds have turned into a solid dome of ice. And, and so now we've got this terrible situation where Donald has gone too far. He's, um, he's mastered his craft, but it's backfired on him because he's let jealousy <laughs> provoke him into this calamity exactly. where everyone below is in danger of the clouds 
shattering and crushing them. And so he's forced to parachute through this one hole in the clouds and warn them to, to get out. And, and uh, they initially are ignoring his warnings because they've got a fire. And, and because they are the idle dandies, they say, we're just going to wait here for the highway crews to rescue them. These people, they don't walk. They don't run. They are lazy people. They only use their cars if they're moving somewhere. Right. You know, there's, I just noticed this and I haven't, I didn't check this against my other reprints, but um, the dandy that's in the background on the last panel of this page has a shirt that is colored (gasps) suggestive of, of Charlie Brown. Oh, it's the Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah, I never right. noticed this, that, that as well. The, those little zigzags. So I guess it looks like that on yours as well. Yeah, and it's colored yellow as well. Yeah, that's interesting. The peanuts, they did exist at the time, didn't they? Yeah, I think peanuts started out in the... That's early. 40s, 50s? I, I think it must have been about a contemporary. Here, I'll take a look. When did peanuts start? Um, Yeah, first published in 1947. And... Oh, Renamed Peanuts in 1950, so that's a fun, fun little gag, apparently, or or a really sure surprising is. coincidence. And we also should mention that uh, these clouds they have frozen, and the reason they're not dropping down is because they're resting on the mountain tops. Ah, uh, yes, that's a that's an important catch, right? They're yeah. Not, so they're not just hovering in the air; they're kind of resting on, on mountain tops, like you said. So when these uh, these clouds will melt, basically. A bunch of big ice blocks crashes into the valley. So really, Donald really put people in danger here. Yeah. He's yeah. killing his girlfriend for this. This was a, a big, a ca- catastrophic mess up. Absolutely. So we'll see how it goes. I'll go on with the next page. So Donald now has gone into his, his parachuted into the valley and is saying that you really do need to get out of here. These ice blocks, they'll collapse. They don't care until they hear a really big crack up in the sky. And just great expressions on Barks' faces right there. Now they really understand the danger and they're running. They're actually ice skating without wearing ice skates. I'm not sure how much that would work. But actually they're getting out there just in the last moment before we see just that big blocks of ice are crushing on the top from uh, the... It's like actually a roof on top of the valley there. And it just collapses into the valley. And all the members of the Idle Dandies Club are really sorry now because their cars have been ruined. And uh, one of the members asked Gladstone, why did this guy know about the clouds being in danger of us? Do oh, I read the bit of dialogue in English. Go has, ahead. Go ahead. Rhythm. He asks, how did that duck know those clouds were ice? And Gladstone smirks and he says, ha. I've got news for you, chum, as Donald um, slinks guiltily away. Yeah. So in the last couple of panels, we see another farmer. We're back with the boys at what seems to be Donald Duck's Rainmaker headquarters. And he really begs for the ducks. Where is that master Rainmaker? I really do need some, some water on my fields. And nephews have to apologize because Donald, he's vacationing in Timbuktu. Yes. Yes. Which I, really is a, it's a classic Barks ending. It, it is, right? Timbuktu is one of those um, place names that is just funny to people. And so there's a tradition in, in at least American pop culture of if you have to like run away and escape to somewhere, it's, it's a good, it's a good destination. Yeah. And, and you know, that farmer in, in the English printing, he's named Mr. Corn Silk, and he's begging for water for his rutabagas. 
And and in and in English, at least, rutabaga is just one of those like funny words. It's almost a punchline. Yeah. So so Ruben, this this is just this is some incredibly tight storytelling, right? He and he's he's Absolutely. so well practiced with this. He's he did so many of these ten pagers, but to set up this story structure where he's got these two demonstrations of this complete mastery and then, and then this incredibly memorable failure is is so awesome. You know what I love about all of these brittle mastery stories is that it's it's almost always his own fault and if he did, if he didn't let himself um, get carried away or let his jealousy get the best of him, he could have had a very successful run of doing this. Absolutely. And it also mostly kind of bugged me that, yeah, he did make a big mistake. He, he really screwed up. He risked people's lives in this story, but he's still a good rainmaker. who could, he, he can still handle that profession. Yeah. But I, I, uh, I it's a Donald Duck story. It needs to be rounded up with, well, he doesn't do that anymore. He's back into doing something else. Right. Yeah, we've got to get that big reset. He's got to finish. Um, exactly. So, you know... I I, I mentioned that I this is definitely one of the 10 pagers that stands out for me. Obviously, it's it's a favorite of yours. I, I like to check in on what the community thinks about these, you know, by, by using the site Index. And they let anyone vote on their stories. And, and they usually get enough people voting that it gives you a pretty good idea. And so this one is ranked very highly for a 10-pager, at least. It, this one has a 7.5 out of 10, which is good for rank 249 out of all like 41,000 some yeah. Disney comics. That sure is impressive. Yeah, it's a high one. And I am uh, obsessed enough that I actually went and made a list of the 10 pagers just so that I could reference and oh. see how they compared to each other. That's um, interesting. Yeah. And so this one, let's see. So as of when I made this list, this one is the 18th highest rated of all of his 10 pagers. So yeah, this okay. is obviously very highly regarded, very well remembered. And, and it's such a great high concept, you know, the, the rain making. I didn't really talk too much about, about this, but rain making, I, I, I learned a little bit about it. I don't know if you looked up too much about it. Yeah, I, have, I, I looked at a couple of YouTube videos. To me, the interesting thing about rain making is that it's a very inexact science right there's a there's a lot of disagreement over how well it works if it works at all you know i i learned that they used a rain hmm. stuff to make it they'll uh, silver can't remember what kind of silver they use to seed they use like co2 they use silver they use even just dry ice i didn't see any like being anything critical about it uh just telling about how it works uh, why people are doing it and it's well it's called cloud seeding and cnn described it as adding a chemical to clouds to increase rain or snowfall and i really learned that the way barks re represents this in the story even though it's really comic book humor and uh, comedy in this it's really is actually pretty um, and a good representation because you can't make clouds you can only target clouds that already have moisture and then you actually do put some chemicals on top of this so it's just like marks represented in this story uh, yeah and the people and people always ask why they don't use this uh, where it's drought or forest fires and that's because you can't make clouds and what do they use it for well the only thing i could find is that 
power companies with like more snow, more snow up in the mountains that could feed the streams and the rivers when the snow melts. Yeah, I, I read a few uses for it. Um, one big one is like ski resorts, I guess, will will oh. use it to get more powder or snow on their slopes. Um, but apparently the Chinese government used it because you can use it in advance to try and make the rain happen early instead of it happening on like the forecast a day. So they, they used it in advance of the Olympics recently. Yeah, yeah I, did, I did see that. It was the Beijing Olympics. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know what I found that that was really interesting to me, Ruben? Was no, go ahead. There's someone someone put up a video on YouTube of images from this story pointing to it as like a conspiracy theory. I don't know if oh you're familiar with the people who talk about uh, con- chemtrails. Do you know what chemtrails are? No, They're- I don't. Please go ahead and explain. So there's this big conspiracy theory. I think it's widespread around the world, but I know there are a lot of crazies in the U.S. who subscribe to it that say that the government drops chemicals. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. For, you know, like mind control purposes. Exactly. And and it, it's pretty hilarious. They're they're basically accusing Barks of having been somewhat. I don't I don't know what the conspiracy is, but there, there's some very funny like comments about. Oh, look at uh. this! You know where to look. You you can find that they've always been trying to control us. So yeah, uh, even in I, the duck universe, they did right. So that it's why that, it's why all the humans have black noses. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, but also in my research, just a little short one at the end, the same CNN video said that this technology, cloud seeding, was this actually discovered in 1946. So it did exist at the time that Barks made this story. Yeah, it goes back. And, you know, Barks is really, in some of the stories, he's really at the cutting edge. Um, yeah. Of, there's a lot of, like, new technology um, discussed in a lot of these. And and it's interesting. I, I grew up reading these in the 80s and 90s. And by then, a lot of it was very old and, and quaint. But but at the time, a lot of it really was very cutting edge. And cloud seeding isn't actually a very known technology, not, not, in, not in my country at least. So I still believe that this seems a bit futuristic in a way. The way oh, yeah. you can control weather and the way it's presented, it's uh, in a comedic way, of course. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. The, the, the concept he has, you know... The seeding the clouds obviously is something that people do, but the way he wrangles uh, the clouds around, like like he's almost in a rodeo or or herding herding cattle. That's that's the humor. Yeah, that sure is my favorite aspect of the story, and I believe that's why I reread it so many times when I was younger. Is to see that plane fly just like a fist into those to those clouds and. The corkscrewing the shaving forming those clouds to be the perfect way for making it rain on top of the farms just marvelous yeah it's it's incredibly clever um well before we wrap it up you know we talked about uh, i do like to to ask if uh you've got any favorite panels i know we've already mentioned some that stand out but are, are there any reuben that you wanted to really highlight i will say the first that comes to mind is on the it's on the fourth page and it's the second la- last uh, one where it says thunk bump plump as donald pushes this shape into this cloud into the perfect square shape that's just marvelous and of course the course through one that we already talked about ah oh, it's such a great comedic way 
to show this. And it really shows off how, how Barks really used to work with animation at Walt Disney Studios. Really feels like animation when, re when reading it. We mentioned a bunch of great panels in this. There, for, for such a quick story, there are just a ton of great panels. Um, but the, the bits with the green-eyed monster are awesome. And all of the bits with the clouds being manipulated into shape. Absolutely. I love every one of them. They're so much fun. And then when the plane, when the plane crashes. Oh, yeah. That's a good block one. Of ice, I, I mean, the art is good. But it's more of the, that little shock when I originally read it. You know, it's such a great surprising moment. It's, it's super unlikely, but um, it's, it's a great moment. And also the panel before it's actually just showing how he's really diving into the clouds. He's moving vertically on this, right. really, and he's moving really fast. Yeah, so you definitely feel his impact. Uh, excellent. Really well, well, Ruben, any other uh, any other thoughts on this great story before we wrap it up? Not anything mentionable. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. It has been such a pleasure. Awesome. All right. Have a good one. And uh, we'll we'll hope, hopefully have you listeners join us for another episode of the 10-page podcast soon, as well as our regular adventure-length episodes. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at the Barks Remarks Facebook page or barksremarks at gmail.com. Bye-bye. Hey.